Hello there and welcome to Fantasy Focus Baseball. It's a beautiful Thursday morning, July 8th, 2021. He is Tristan Happy Cockroft, Kyle Sopi produces and researches, and I am merely Eric Carabell. Fantasy Focus Baseball is presented by LinkedIn Jobs. Lots to get to on today's show. The first half is over. We're going to talk pitchers of the first half. We'll preview the home run derby, talk about some pitchers for this weekend, and Tristan's going to sing quite a bit because that is the reason that people listen to this show. Do they really? Oh, what a beautiful Thursday. Oh, here comes the rain. Wait a minute. That doesn't work. I think people on Twitter should reply to us after we tweet out today's show and just say, why do they listen? Do they listen because of your singing or is it actual fantasy baseball advice that we give? Is it entertaining? Did they have nothing better to do? Are they just walking their dog and waiting for the inevitable? Like what? Why do you listen to this show? (laughs) 06010 MOB. I listened to see if Tristan did not sing. Please stop it. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Let's get to it. Lots of information on today's show, hopefully. First, a little bit of news. Clayton Kershaw, forearm inflammation. Are you worried, or is this just the Dodgers manipulating him before the All-Star break, and he'll be fine as soon as the break is over? I kind of think it might be that. I kind of think so, too. I I could go either way. They're already down one rotation member, and they're having a hard time filling the start. So I, I suspected it could be something serious. I don't think so so much. They're gonna they're they're supposed to put David Price in for that game. That signals to me. I think it might just be a one start issue. By I, the way, by the way, he will probably pitch at Coors Field in his first start after the break. So just be a little careful with his return. Kershaw. They they go to Coors right after the break. They go to Coors right after the break. Yes. I think the Dodgers, in their overconfident way, and they have reason to be overconfident believe that they can kind of mess with their pitching and hitting and Bellinger and whatever all season long and still win the division. And I kind of agree. Like, unless the Padres get some pitching we don't know about. I mean, that paddock effort last night was horrible. The Giants are probably not going to play at this winning percentage for the final three months. I think the Dodgers are like, all right, we don't need to win 100, but, you know, 93 wins this division probably, and then we're fine, and then Kershaw and the other guy and everybody. I I, kind of think they're just going to kind of mess with their roster for the final three months because they don't think they're in much danger. Certainly, they're in no danger of missing the playoffs, but I don't think they feel like they're in danger of winning the division either. Do you? I feel like they should be projected to win it. I don't think it's a slam dunk. I, You know, it's really interesting for the fantasy managers, especially those in the head-to-head leagues, is that if it does wind up being competitive all the way to the end, which it might be if they play this strategy, we will get maximum value out of everybody. We won't have those shutdowns in, in, uh, in September. They'll be spread out across the year. That's better for us in the head-to-head leagues. So fantasy-wise, yeah, interesting take. Dodgers right now, um, Walker Bueller, Tony Gonsolin, Julio Urias are in the rotation. Probably David Price. They probably go with a bullpen game this weekend. I think they're going to be fine. Well, that's the price. It's going to be very interesting. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do out of the break, not only with Kershaw, but with the right-hander who won the Cy Young last year because I don't know when he's pitching again. And now I'm starting to think that somebody thinks this is a big deal. Of course it's a big deal, but I wonder if the Dodgers now believe that it's a big deal. Um, cause I don't know. We'll I get think, to I that think anytime, the... anytime a player gets put, put on the restricted list for any reason, I think he's officially he's only allowed seven days and then but, they can extend seven more. But after that, you know, he's got to be on the team. It, it, it winds up in such a gray area that I, I would prepare based on it being lengthy. That's, I mean, we said that on Monday, uh, quite a fall from grace from Adam Eaton, who is currently in limbo and unemployed. The white Sox don't want him anymore. Let me ask you about filling white Sox players, Brian Goodwin, uh, Gavin Sheets, Adam Engel, who's hitting, 
he is hitting. He shouldn't be at this level to, you know, to this degree. Mm-hmm. Um, Jake Berger, maybe if he sticks around, um, any of these white Sox interesting to you in a deeper league? I did put a bid on Gavin sheets. Moderately impressed by his first week plus of major league action. I don't think there's some, you know, any great things ahead, but he's getting pretty decent lineup opportunities. They're putting him second in the order on occasion. Uh, I, I, I'm the guy who always goes and gets Leori Garcia in my AL only leagues as my last guy, just because of the multi-flexibility, the fact that he could steal a base here or there if he wants to. Beyond that, no, I, I, I'm surprised that the White Sox are okay with leaving this many open spots. Aren't you? I, it, I, I get it with Eaton. It's just, it's odd considering the lack of depth in that outfield. How serious are you taking Eloy Jimenez returning soon and producing at a level commensurate with what we expected? He starts a rehab assignment yeah. tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. So yeah. he can be back this month. Yep. And I think he, I, I'll put August 1st as as the target date for fantasy expectations. I think it's going to take him a little time in major league games to get back to full speed. The hope here is that he's a fantasy monster for your head to head playoffs. I think there's a very real possibility that happens. I have gone completely the other direction from my plan in labor where you can cash in the player for, for fab money. I'm going to keep him around. I do think he can contribute down the stretch for you. Don't you think he, he's got at least the capability of a top 20 outfield? It all seems very positive on Eloy Jimenez. And now I think that people that dumped him in April are going to regret it. And let me quickly ask, because it affects one, one of my teams, the Atlanta left fielder who was on the DL with the finger and then did something he shouldn't have. Would you cash him in right now? I have him in Atlanta labor at like 25 bucks, but I'm going to keep him, I think. And, and, Maybe he'll produce in September, but again, he he could be suspended. So I don't. Oh, know. I'd have to ask you whether you you really have that option. He has to be sixty day DL'd or IL'd. I think he is. I don't think he's sixty day IL. I think he's restricted list. And if he is, you can't do it. All right. If so would you drop him in an ESPN standard then? Right. This goes to to so for Tell Wars, you can I believe if the player is on the injured list or on the sidelines for an extended period, cut the player and get Fab. I would. Yes. That's another case of gray area. I lean towards it being lengthier because we just don't know these things and they have not historically been getting settled very quickly. There's no reason that, that MLB should race through it. I would cash them in. Yeah. All right. Moving on now. Uh, let's talk about hitters of the first hitters of the first half was on Monday show or Tani and Vlad pitcher of the first half. You know, Jacob DeGrom is the number one guy for points leagues and on the player Raider. Kevin Gosman was like a 15th round pick. Freddie Peralta is up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Bassett's having a great season. Yep. I just have a tough time going against DeGrom for this, even though he was a first-round pick and arguably the first pitcher taken in almost every draft. Do you agree with that? He's putting up historic numbers. I wouldn't fight you on that. I, I will pick Kevin Gosman just based on, you know, and you've said this many times, it's the value relative to cost on draft day. It was a large divide between these two players. That's the only reason I personally pick Gosman, but I think it's clearly one of those two. By the way, Kudos to Zach Wheeler for a very big year. Zach Wheeler has had an exceptional year that I don't think he's getting enough kudos for. Well, last night might have cost him a start in the All-Star game. So DeGrom is not going to go to Denver for the All-Star game. He wants to – and, he, and he, he shouldn't. He, he should be focusing on the Mets, frankly. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe Taiwan Walker will be the replacement. And then Wheeler started last night at Wrigley Field, and his defense, again, let him down, uh, and his manager probably. So, But Wheeler did have a, a great first half of the season. And I like to see him in the in the All Star game. When I was growing up, I used to love the All Star game because I would see my player. Remember, we couldn't watch every game. 
Okay. Yep. The only the only chance we had was like Monday Night Baseball on ABC. Uh, TBS had the Atlanta team, and yep. then I would watch the if Phillies. You got WGN, you could get the Cubs. Get the Cubs. Um, but you know, like in the also, like it was cool. In the, like I would watch Schmitty every day in Carlton. But in the All Star game, I could see, oh, that's a guy I've never seen before. You know, there's Alvin Davis, or you know, just an example, like, or like Bob Horner. You know, like you didn't get to see everybody, and you never got to see like you were an AL guy as a Yankee. I was in AL. I didn't get to see American League players. You know who so, I liked watching back then in the eighties? Who? I love the All Star game just to watch Tim Raines play. Oh yeah, yeah. Because you didn't get to see the Montreal players as a New York Yankees fan. It just wasn't going to happen. The only time is if you watch some of those Mets games when they came to town. I didn't even know where Seattle was growing up. And then like they have a baseball team <laughs> and Toronto has a baseball team. And I'm like, oh, I want to see their players. And then I don't remember I'm, how excited I was seeing Bruce Bakhti in an all-star game, but maybe he was there. You know? Plus that, that helped build your fanship now, Seattle being your new team, right? Well, that and, and baseball cards. I mean, oh, ba- baseball, baseball cards was the other way. It was like seeing like, ah, Mariner. But then, you know, like, oh, here comes Bruce Bakhti. He's an all-star at 79 or whatever. And then that was the game with Dave Parker throw. All right, we're wasting time. Ran- that was the game qu- of the kingdom. I have to give you the random question, though. Oldest stick of Topps baseball game you've eaten? I mean, I've never had one. You've never eaten any of the gum out of the packs? Really? I've, I've never actually chewed a piece of gum in my life. Wow. I see. I haven't in a long time. I gave up gum well over a decade, probably two decades ago. We're, but we're very different. You've <laughs> never had gum? That, You've that never food. had gum out of the pack. Whew. Never had gum in any form. I've never had coffee in any form. I've never had coffee, so that, that doesn't strike me as the weirdest of things. But the gum oh, thing, you? I've I enjoyed I've had gum. I don't do it regularly. I don't I've had, had yeah. I've, I've never had, had coffee. I've had, I've had baseball cards ruined by a piece of gum. Oh, <laughs> oh that the that last was, that's why they took it out. I hate that. I wish they would put it back in. That was part of the fun of the packs. Kyle, oldest really gum you ate? Gum? Oldest gum I've ate. I, I, not, not old. A good friend of mine, we were opening these up about a year ago, 1988 tops, and he ate the gum. And I warned him not to in advance. He Older he than I am. Yeah. That's, that's a yeah, problem. That's, that seems ill-advised. 32, it was, no, it's 31-year-old gum. He ate it. He said it was dreadful. <laughs> And it was it's dreadful shocking. in 88. Shocking. <laughs> All right. That's uh, I looked down the history lane here for us. <laughs> and more of Eric's weirdness. Uh, home run derby. First, Tristan, time for your rant. Please tell us why there is no such thing as a home run derby jinx. And then I'll copy it and write it on Monday. <laughs> the problem with the argument is it's cherry picking. It is a cherry picking argument. There are examples you could throw out there and people do it regularly. Uh, I believe David Wright was one of them. I think Ryan Howard was back in the day. There, there's Actually, Josh Bell was one of them that I can think of. The overriding uh, history shows that the All-Star game really doesn't do very much. Most players who do regress already had regression due to them in the home run category. So just be really careful not to buy into that. But I do understand there's this big chatter going on about Shohei Otani being on the roster as both a pitcher and a hitter, and he's in the home run derby, and it's Colorado, oh, and the altitude. I I get it. You and I talked about that. It does worry me a little bit, but not to the level of panic that people make this whole home run derby curse. It's nonsense. It's as nonsense as the Madden curse. I know I say these things are real. It's real. I'm totally kidding. So a swing does not get messed up just because somebody takes you know, 50, 75 swings on, on Monday night. I, I don't, I don't think a swing gets messed up. A swing can get messed up at any time, Yeah, but I don't think it's because of the home run derby. I it do can, think, it can, if you allow it. 
but I don't players think that now are smart be. enough to not let this happen. I mean, I, I don't know. Anyway, Ron Soto, since I wrote my article this week about not having power, has hit for a lot of power. He's now in the home run derby. Um, so the, the derby crew is Otani, uh, who is the number one seed. Pete Alonzo, who won it in 2019. Um, an NL player has won it for the past five, uh, but I don't think that means much. Uh, Trevor Story, the hometown guy. Trey Mancini, awesome. Sal Perez. Uh, when's the last time a catcher was in this? Uh, Matt Olson, who you love, and I love too. Juan Soto and Joey Gallo, who I think is going to hit love a million. It. A yep. million of these. Um, Actually, Gallo will hit the – even if he doesn't hit a million, he'll he probably hit the furthest feet. distance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He might hit one 550, 575. I, of course. I, I like the Derby better than the game because to me, the Derby, they're taking it seriously. They're trying to win. But in the game, you know, you're going to see the starters play, you know, one at bat, two at bat. Is that You know, the pitchers get one inning or one mm-hmm. batter. And then in the ninth inning, you know, nothing against these guys, but you got like, you know – I don't, I don't want to name any names, but you, you got like borderline all-stars deciding the all-star game. It doesn't count for anything, which I thought was a joke when it, when it counted for home field advantage. Same. So I like the Derby. My favorite part of the home run of the all-star game is actually the introductions. I love to see yes. each player. And I, I used to love them in their own jerseys. They're ruining that this year, I think, but in their own jerseys. Cause again, growing up, you didn't get to see anybody from yeah. Detroit and you know, it was fun. Oh, there's Alan Trammell. I never got to see him play. It's it, it, you know, it's not the same right now. But um, anyway, I'll watch because it's fun. But I think the Derby's a little bit more. I fun. agree and, with you. I love the Derby. As a matter of fact, I'll characterize it as delightful nonsense. It is absolutely delightful. I agree. And then, by the way, Sunday we should talk about this too a little bit. I wrote about it today. The uh, futures game is on MLB Network on Sunday afternoon, and then the uh, the draft is yes. right after that. And both are really important. I mean, the futures game. I wrote about your Yankee guy today, the 18-year-old Jason Dominguez, mainly because our editor said he's sick of you talking about the Yankees. So I wrote that I've never seen Jason Dominguez actually play in a game. Nobody has. He's only played in five games in his life here. And, you know, because he's only been in the Gulf Coast League or whatever they call it now for a week. But Dominguez is there. Cespedes' younger brother is there. All the top, a lot of the top prospects, Adley Rushman, Spencer Torkelson, both Seattle outfielders and Logan Gilbert. There's a lot of talent in this Futures game. It's really a loaded uh, bunch because they didn't have one last year. So watch the Futures game. I'll probably write about it from Monday. And then the draft, it's all about, to me, where Rocker and Lighter go. But they're still not pitching in the majors next year. But we can talk about that. on the. Actually, you know, I can get your opinion now on this. Like, for dynasty purposes, a lot of leagues actually do a draft after the amateur draft. So, I mean, I guess it's not like basketball or football where you have to see where they go for value. You know, in football, you know, a team with already an established running back takes another one. Well, you don't want them in dynasty right away. Basketball, you know, you can tell guys are going to take longer. Baseball, everybody takes a long time. So between Leiter and Rocker, the Vanderbilt right-handers, do you have an opinion on who you'd rather take in, in a dynasty purpose? Yeah, I do. I've been struggling with this, and I'm going to start by teeing up that uh, along with the Futures game and MLB Draft stuff on Sunday, the All-2025 team is coming about. I'm, uh, coming out that day. So I'm bringing back that piece in addition to the Dynasty 300, which comes out next week. Um, and there will be players in both. That includes the draft that will be on that team. I have struggled a lot as to which direction I would go with Lighter and Rocker. I feel like there's a higher ceiling to me for rocker than there is for lighter. I think that lighter's the consistency kind of guy, the, the, he gives you an Aaron Nola or slightly better type of career. 
He's not quite the very best in the game, but he is an excellent, excellent pitcher. And I don't know, maybe there is something smart to go with the safety. I like shooting for the upside. Uh, Lighter reminds me of Sonny Gray. The, the size, with the school. Okay. Mm-hmm. He's going to miss a lot of bats. Yep. I don't know about the durability. The fastball is amazing. That's the best thing. The fastball like, is there. Mm-hmm. But I want to see, you know, if he goes to Pittsburgh, that's a great home uh, pitcher's park. So I want to see that. You know, Rocker, they're saying, you know, Fenway, that would affect his. Anyway, I, 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 in this case, I would go for pitchers over hitters, but I want to see where everybody lands because the top hitters, if they're high school guys, they take even yeah. longer. Um, anyway, one of them is on. pretty darn good, though. Oh, oh, them Bar- them are Marcello, very good. Well, Marcelo Meyer is the one that stood out to me based on the hit tool. I like to draft based on the hit tool, but you're Short right. Stop, high yeah. school, a high school shortstop prospect. It's hard to make the case you're waiting a while. Uh, we're not going to wait much longer for Tristan to sing. It's combo meal time. <laughs> hey, it's a combo meal. Combo, combo. It's a combo meal. Home run plus steal. As he dances around and points and has fun and smiles. Uh, these players were making moves earlier this week and making moves is brought to you by LinkedIn jobs. Build your winning team today. Go to LinkedIn.com slash sports Tuesday, Orlando Arcia, who I bet 90% of our listeners do not know what team he's on. And Nolan Aaron. What position he's playing? Yeah, you know what? I actually grabbed him in a league, um, Arcia, because he's replacing that Atlanta left fielder. And um and, and I always I always like confuse Orlando Arcia and Alcides Escobar because they were low on base percentage shortstops who people overrated, not much power. They could run a little bit, but now I think they might both be relevant. So I want to say to you, which one if either, would you add in a deeper league? Arcia of now Atlanta and Escobar is leading off for Washington, unbelievably. Yeah. Escobar's a no thank you. You know, I'm I'm not a fan. I haven't been a fan. I, I still remember it. He had that year where he was the absolute worst player in fantasy baseball. He hurt your team actively because he played so much. Yeah, and he made a lot of outs. Mm-hmm. But he's been hitting well this year. He, he had for power in the minors. He's going to play left field. I mean, it's hard to believe, but I would say no as well. If you have to choose, and I don't know that I'm really big on either one, but you know, RCS got an opportunity right now. So, and and he doesn't give you great numbers, but he'll contribute a little bit in each category. All right, let's contribute to the closers. Time for you to sing again. It's the closer carousel. All right, so we did our last show on Tuesday, and not a whole lot has happened since then. Although Trevor Rosenthal, who a lot of people thought was going to be a top ten closer, our hands are raised as well. Is officially done for the season. Hip surgery is pending. Yankees did go to Chad Green for the save on Wednesday. I think that was predictable. Maybe they give Chapman the weekend off. Maybe Chapman doesn't go to the All Star game. Um, there's oh. millions, there's lots of guys who could replace. Him. Well, why would he? He's pitching so badly right now. Something's yeah. obviously either physically or mentally or mechanically wrong. I'm not trying to be facetious. Something's wrong. No, something's definitely wrong. I mean, he he pitched, in the, he pitched in the Tuesday game. You know, it was it was an irrelevant irrelevant split in the in the score at the time, and he walked two batters, I believe, in that game. Still at yes. the control issues. Something's clearly amiss. So yep. I, that's why I said pick up Chad Green. Maybe I'll get some saves. Maybe there's an injury list pending here. Um, any other situations that changed? Marlins went to Bender on uh, on Wednesday night and he blew it. Um, but he's still really good. And I think for the rest of the season, I'm going to write a piece next week about um, the second half uh, closers preview. And I think I might say that Bender, Bender has more valuable more value than Yumi Garcia. I actually think Bender's going to be their closer for Miami the final two-plus months. 
The fact that it's now two opportunities on Garcia's night off and Garcia has pitched very ineffectively over 70 RA since May 1st. I'm with you. You can make that case. Just when you thought Scott Barlow was safe in Kansas City, he pitched yesterday in like the sixth inning. So there's no safety in Kansas City. Uh, Unbelievable. Just unbelievable. They give him a couple of weekend saves and Matheny pushed him in the sixth. I know he's trying to win the game and he's his best pitcher. Yeah, and Kyle Zimmer started to give up some runs of late. It's just man, it's so frustrating trying to figure it out in fantasy. Who's going to get the saves? And then something like that happens, and you don't know. You had one more to mention, and that was Cincinnati and your guy Heath Hembry, who blew it one night. We're getting I, him. Yeah. He got the opportunity the next night. The manager's confidence play, and he pitched well in it. I think Heath Hembry is going to keep getting saves or save chances. He's, he's inevitably going to give up home runs. I mean, he's worse than Hector Neris, who gives up home runs. And right. Henry's going to give up home runs. Last year, he, I mean, look, he's going to give up home runs. Let's leave it at that. It's, it's I, a temporary thing, but but they're they're giving him opportunities. That's I don't key. think it is. I, I honestly don't think it is. I think, you know, it, we're still weeks away, maybe like four weeks, from seeing Lucas Sims and TJ Antone. So I don't right. think it's I think I think Embry and and Embry and um, the lefty um, Amir Garrett are going very well lately. He's pitched very gonna, well. They're going to share it, I think. Um, I can see that too. Yeah. I don't think there's anything else we need to discuss because nothing else is really going on. We dealt with Ranger Suarez. Josh Hader blew a save, no big deal. And Detroit, you don't care about. Arizona got two saves this month. It's clearly, Joaquin Soria is clearly their closer. Yeah, I know. That's I hot. can't believe it. They had two saves. <gasps> uh, before we get to the um, the schedule and the pitchers to watch for the next for, the, for this weekend, um, a fun thing here from uh, from Kyle, a uh, little category: uh, regress or reinvest is the first category. Have these players changed your mind enough in the first half for you to be buying their current trajectory, or is the regression monster coming to get them? Three uh, three players for you: Taiwan Walker, who I think will be. The, the Grom replacement because the Mets will have an also if the Grom doesn't go. Kyle Gibson, who I think was bad yesterday, and Nick Castellanos, who's still playing really great, killing righties pitching as well. Regress or reinvest on these three gentlemen? <laughs> Kyle, you stole two of these guys from the, the hash brown question the other day, and I think we were pretty firm on trying to cash in the Gibson chip. I'm, I'm not wowed by Tywan Walker, but I do lean towards believing, and I'm in on Nick Castellanos. There's no way I'm cashing in that chip. I've, you know I'm a Castellanos fan. You know, he's not going to win NL MVP, but if no. his team made a run, he could make a run. Like, his numbers are there. Yes. Yeah. Like, if the Reds were a game behind the Brewers, you could see a scenario where Nick Castellanos is a potential MVP candidate in the National League because, I mean, Fernando Tatis leads the player rater right now uh, overall, and the Padres are obviously in contention. So I think Tatis or DeGrom – would be you know, probably Degrom would be the MVP choices at this point. Acuna's right there as well. I mean, if Acuna hits 50 home runs, I mean, what are you going to do? He he might win it if Atlanta makes a comeback. The Mets are still allowing the uh, uh, other NLS teams to be in the race, but the MVP race in the National League is really it's going to be interesting in both leagues because Otani versus Vlad. That's going to be lots of fun as well. Yep. You know, whoever has more home runs, maybe. But Otani, if he keeps pitching well, I I don't know how how you can't give it to him. Anyway, uh, I agree with you on that. The next category here is rebound or reject. Buying low and hoping for a rebound or selling in hopes that the name holds more weight than a rough first half recent stretch. The names are uh, Charlie Blackman, Anthony Rizzo, and the Yankee closer, who we already discussed. He probably will rebound. He just needs a week off. But Blackman or Rizzo, I'm not sure I'm reinvesting here. I don't think I'm expecting a rebound in the, in the second half for either one. I mean, Rizzo against right-handed pitching is batting 213. My goodness. Yeah. Yeah. 
he's starting to fall into a kind of a, a split situation, which is bothersome at that age. It shows the the downward aging curve. I, I want to believe in both of these guys. I think that the name brands are going to keep the price too high for my taste. I'd probably lean towards the Rockies hitter. That's typically what I do at this point, the, the you know, the, the warm temperatures. I, I really do think the Yankee closer question is a valid one. To what level do you still believe and invest? Because a top 10 closer's price right now is pretty high. And it's pretty important to make that decision. I think when he gets the straighten out, that is his job, period. He will be thrown immediately. I mean, instantly back into that role. I would trade any top 10 closer right now for a bat and a lesser or a starter and a lesser closer. Maybe haters the exception, but Hendricks, the way they're using Liam Hendricks concerns me, the home runs, weirdness, mm-hmm. you know, two innings, one outing, and then the eighth. It's just weird what they're doing with him. Mm-hmm. Hater, I'm not worried about. But every other closer, yeah, yeah. So some degree, you know, even Melanson, who's been great so far. I mean, he's going to get, you know, another 25 saves in the second half. I mean, that's that was uh, AJ Mass's cash in player. And I don't blame him. I don't blame him either. I'd cash in on almost any closer right now and try to get lucky or stream it. You know, or it's not a give, but but just to clarify here, that's not a matter of of the giveaway. It's not even selling at ninety cents in the dollar, or even necessarily at straight value. You need to formulate your saves exit plan. Be really careful about getting caught with saves you didn't need, especially excess. Absolutely, you know, and it's also possible that Soria of Arizona stays there and ends up with as many saves in the second half of the season as Edwin Diaz. You, you don't know for sure. You know, I mean, some of these good teams win by more runs than they than you you notice. You know, that's why Melanson, the Padres, win a lot of close games. But if you look at the save leaders right now, it's kind of interesting to me. Like you don't see normalcy there. Um, That's all. I don't think I don't think either of us would pick Soria to have more saves than Diaz if we were going to make a projection. No, of course not. But my point is the fluctuation of the category. Soria could end up getting double digit saves the rest of the year, and. You know, that Yankee closer may not, <laughs> you know, so Fair I'm point. not saying yep. I would trade them one for one. I mean, Soria is available in every league and Ranger Swords is available in most leagues. And what's your what are your ranges for the Yankee closer and for Soria? Give me the low and the high end for each of them for the save number, because I, I know you're big on the projected numbers. Could Soria get five saves per month the rest of the way? Yes. The Yankee closer, I think, is hurt. I think it's obvious something's mm-hmm. wrong with him. You mm-hmm. can't have that many walks and everything be OK. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't mean to like. Edwin Diaz has 18 saves. I don't think Surrey is going to, but he might only get 10 the rest of the way too. Yeah. So, you know, you look at their starting pitching. Now they have Pittsburgh like seven straight times coming up. So he's going to get a couple saves there, but I don't know. I mean, like either Cleveland closer right now, they have 11 and nine Clause and Karinchak. Mm-hmm. You know, I could see a scenario where Kendall Graveman gets more saves than that. I could see a scenario where I guess Hansel Robles, if he's untradeable, you know, could end up with that many saves. Certainly Trevino could get that many saves the rest of the way. I guess Ranger Suarez could. Jordan Romano could. Soria could. That's the whole point here is that you want to sell high on some of these saves because Mark Melance is not he's, – he's got 26 saves at the break. He ain't getting 52. Right, right. The, the, you know, yeah, going back to the fluctuation, the first thing I look at is I can envision the scenario by which Taylor Rogers, who's in a partnership closer situation himself and could be traded, gets more than both of the San Francisco guys, gets more than the names that you had just mentioned, gets more than anybody in the Tampa Bay bullpen, gets more than Trevino, and gets more than Graveman. I could see a scenario by which that. 
Thursday's slate has already begun, but the Phillies are, are in Wrigley Field on ESPN at 8 p.m. Eastern for the final game of a four-game set. Kind of a big game for the Phillies. Uh, Zach Eflin and Adbert Alzale, uh, both a little underwhelming, actually, in the ERA department here. Uh, but it should be interesting, and if the wind's blowing out, it'll definitely be interesting. Um, not sure who I'd rather. I'd probably rather have Eflin here. Uh, Me too. But, you know, I'm a little disappointed in the season he's been having, <laughs> to be honest with you. ESPN Plus has Tarek Skubal of Detroit, who, who shows a lot of promise. Uh, this young lefty against Jay Happ, who's an old lefty of Minnesota. I can't believe Minnesota is still playing this badly. I, I really can't. Like, it's hard to believe how bad the Twins have been this season. Mm-hmm. By far the biggest disappointment in baseball, mm-hmm. I think. Yep. Um, Huge disappointment. Uh, Scherzer Darvish, that should be fun. That's the last game of the night. I would definitely want to watch that. Alec Manoa at Baltimore. That seems like a can't miss, <laughs> wouldn't you say? Yeah. I've mentioned before that Baltimore has some pieces that threaten, but I like Manoa's stuff more here. So I'm going to go against that ballpark situation where that number grades below average and say, yeah, he's a start for me. Friday night on ESPN Plus, Vince Velasquez, more Phillies uh, at Fenway Park against Garrett Richards, who has been awful since uh, the sticky stuff went away. Mm-hmm. Not saying, look, every pitcher was using it, but Garrett Richards has not pitched well since then. He's had to reinvent himself. He told reporters this. I mean, Garrett Cole is pitching on Friday night. What do you expect there? He's at Houston. Okay, so obviously a revenge game for him. And Cole has been giving a lot of home runs, and his spin rate is way down. Do you still project Cole in your top tier of starting pitchers? The top tier originally before the season was obviously DeGrom um, and Cole and Bieber and Bauer, right? Was that the top? Bauer was was clearly in four. So if it was the first group of tier one, Bauer was like a 1A. Darvish could have made that case, and then you got to the next chunk of players. Can you make a case right now for Gosman over Cole? Yes, you can. I can also make you the case for Brandon Woodruff over Cole. And I've ranked Cole ahead of these guys in that general tier, but I have a, have great hesitation in doing it. You're right that something has affected him here. For the planning purposes, fantasy-wise, the Yankees have left, left some uncertainty about Friday, Saturday. Just be careful from your lineup setting things. He might and probably will pitch Saturday's game against that Grinky. But in terms of using him, I'm scared by this matchup. Even going back to Houston as the reunion, or what is it, the revenge game, I'm scared by this matchup. He'll, I'll start him, but I don't think it's going to be great numbers. Do you? Uh, you know what? I mean, I think he's really good. I mean, I think he's arguably one of the best two or three pitchers in baseball, and he just Is hasn't he giving you well. those numbers this game. That's a seven inning, four. Yeah, but if you, if you got it, you don't use him in DFS for this game, but if you have, have him in any fantasy league, you leave him active, of course. Right. But, but to your point about worrying about that, that it's not going to be great numbers. You might want to dabble on the trade market with him. What, if you've I got trade him, depth. Yeah, I would I would think about trading and I would think about trading anybody if it was a good deal. Sure. Even Otani. But like if somebody offered me Otani for Garrett Cole right now, oh yeah, I would do it. Wouldn't you? In I guess our it depends game, yeah. on, on in our game, yeah, I would do it. I uh, I mean how I mean when I update my rankings, how is Otani not in my top ten? He has to be. It's gotta be. Yeah, the only anti-Otani case for top 10 is is the workload. If they rein in the workload, and that's you know what, only going to be on the pitching side. I, I think he's different. I think he's going to be fine. I think he stays healthy. I think he hits, he pitches. I think this is an incredible generational talent, and I'm no longer betting against this guy being able to stay healthy in, in a dual role. I just, I, I'm not going to do it. He's amazing. I love it. What's interesting great is, for baseball. and we've seen this with the in-season regression candidates, is I wonder whether next year is when he pays the workload price. And I why probably would pay, play, he's Why do you have to pay a price at all? 
This is asking a lot of a guy who did very little during the past three years with a pandemic year in 2020. I do think there will be a small regression, probably small regression. Price so, so let's say we both agree this is our number five player right now. Okay. For sure. the rest of the season. Okay. Are you ranking him in your top 20 for next year? How can I, you not? I think you have to, but I do it with some hesitation. I mean, he has to be in the top 10. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I know what you're saying about workload, but he's breaking the mold here. He's not like anybody else. Nobody's ever done this. And I'm not yeah. even, you know, the Yankee slugger in the twenties, which is this why is, you should, should keep the regression in mind is because nobody's ever done this. Let's uh, let's keep going here on the schedule here. Uh, that was Friday's schedule Saturday. There are day games. And then the last game of the day has Herman Marquez. who's really, really good at San Diego against Joe Musgrove who's really, really inconsistent. Yep. Uh, I mean, Musgrove just, and Paddock are driving me insane in a couple of my leagues. Uh, you wrote about Chris Flexen. He's at home against the Angels and Otani. Yep. Um, you'd use Flexen there, wouldn't you? I would. It's not a great matchup, but it's good enough. He's a solid I mean, it's an unbalanced lineup. I mean, the top of that line, David Fletcher, by the way, has a hit in every game for the last month. Yep. Otani and Jared Walsh are awesome. Even without Randon and Trout, that offense yep. scores runs. Those two alone could give Flexen some headaches, but I think he gives you enough numbers to be worthwhile here. I would agree with that. Mike Miner at Cleveland. There's a streaming opportunity. Cleveland just got no hit again yesterday. It's not a good offense. Jose Ramirez is banged up. I I don't know. Mike Miner's been kind of bad recently, but I think that's a good opportunity to use him when you It play. is there there is a downside because there's some righty bats that could cause him headaches and because he hasn't pitched well, I I'm not going to just give you the automatic 7 inning one run kind of thing, but start him. Good matchup. I'm all in on James Caprellian of Oakland at Texas, bad Texas lineup. And Caprellian continues to prove every outing, even against good lineups, that he's really, really good. And I refuse to believe that he can't stay healthy for six months just because he hadn't in the past. He's good. He's great. Yeah. I'm in. Maybe maybe an innings cap. They've kept him pretty well in check up to this point. I'm not that worried about it. It's I'm good. not worried at all. I mean, like, I think when you, when you get to July, you have to just stop worrying about, like, obviously innings caps are different, but you have to stop worrying about health issues. Okay? Like, whether it's an old guy like Rich Hill or a young guy like Caprillion is not even that young. He's like 27, but like they're doing it. They're, I mean, Rich, Rich Hill has not been doing it of late, but you know what I mean? The point is like, right. I just refuse to say a guy's going to get hurt just because he has it's, in the past. Cause that's not it. They, they go hand in hand. I'm not worried about they're going to get hurt. I'm worried about that. The teams will ease off like, uh, like the Chris Paddock thing a couple of years ago. Who's Rich the Hill's other on... dude for the Padres way in the past? What do you mean? There was the dude, uh, eight or 10 years ago that they remember they kept them in check and they were, they were playoff contenders. Padres. I could have sworn it was, this, it was pre paddock pre Strasburg, obviously. Well, Strasburg was one of them. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I can't so remember. You're talking about like they were contenders and they just didn't use a guy. There was a guy like Paddock, and I feel like it was San Diego, you know, maybe a half decade before that. He pitched really great. They used him a lot, and then they almost shut him down entirely the final two months. I mean, not Bennis, not Matt Latos. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I'll have to go back and look it up. All right, moving on. Sunday's schedule has um, no night game because of the uh, uh, because of the, uh, with the draft. And the draft. Well, really, the Futures game starts during all the games. Right. which is ridiculous. It should be on its own. I mean, the Futures game should be the night game, and there should be no MLB games, and then the draft should be another night, but they're not doing it that way. Um, oh, Aaron Nola against Nick Pavetta. You want to talk revenge? Like, Nick Pavetta, you know what? You want to use him in fantasy? Be my guest. And maybe he'll shut down Philadelphia because he's angry that they let him go so easily, but I can't buy on Nick Pavetta. Can you? Can you really? 
I kind of can now. I kind of can. And and you hear the hesitation. I don't think he's a great option, but he's pitched reasonably effectively. He's missing bats, and that's what he's supposed to do. I'd use him here. Uh, how about Luis Castillo, who's been great for the last six weeks against Brandon Woodruff. That should be a lot of fun there. And then John Snow's at San Diego against Ryan Weathers. Maybe they'll let him go five or six innings in that game. And then the first half will end. We will not have a show Monday, but we will on Thursday next week. So we'll go one week between shows. Let's bring Kyle in now and we'll get to your hash browns. That we will. I want to plug one name for the futures draft situation. Casey Sauke, my second cousin, supposed to be a top 10-round pick or so. So that would be cool if he gets uh, get some shine. Just wanted to get his name. Where is he from? Rochester, New York. He went to school at Greece Athena. So he is a high school kid. High school kid. Expected to yeah get some run. He's going to Virginia if he doesn't, you know, isn't happy with the draft slot. But it's fun. I'll be watching the draft for a reason. You buried your lead. I wish you told me that weeks ago. I got to write about him today. Uh, There we go. So uh, if he gets drafted and decides to go, then you can write about him. There's no point in writing about him if he's going to college. But we'll see where that goes. It's exciting either way. Hash Brown, start with Jackson. Not a high school guy, more of a pro here. Michael Conforto, he wants to know what in the world he can do with him. He was so excited entering the year with him, but things have not exactly panned out. Yeah, I think that's a safe assumption to make. He's batting 200 with two home runs, and I neglected to put him in my article about the lowest slugging percentages uh, the other day. I don't know why. Maybe he wasn't a qualifier because he missed so much time. Uh, Yeah, he's he's not a qualifier. I should have dug a little bit further there. It was all the guys basically who who were qualified for the batting title. Conforto is slugging 284. He's still taking walks, but he's not driving the ball. And I'm looking at his exit velocity numbers, and they're not good. And uh, my goodness, he's not hitting lefties at all. Oh, horrible against lefties. But he's really horrible against righties too. It's like I have guys like this like for sim league purposes, and I'm like, all right, at least I can platoon them next year. But in a fantasy league, you can't do that. Like Conforto is batting 214 against righties and slugging 321. So I haven't seen a lot of Mets games where like Conforto's done much, but his contact rate is the same as it was the last couple of years. Babip is lower, but that's not all that all this is. What is it about? And if K rates down, this is a very weird situation. Walk rates it up. Yeah. It's just a low exit velocity. Like something maybe he's hurt. He's he's hitting more grounders. So that ties to is there something going on? Uh Statcast is also saying he's been massively unlucky. It's 40, it's more than 40 points. No, it's 49 points of batting average in terms of the expected number, and the weighted on base is a 61-point split. That's pretty severe bad luck. I would agree. Uh, but, I mean, like most of the guy, well, it was about half and half on the guys that I wrote about. Would you say Conforto is a guy you would buy as like a top 30 out for the rest of the way, or are you giving up on the season? If it's like Yelich and something's wrong with him, like a back injury, then I'm not buying. So, so the issue at that price point is that if he was a top 25 or so outfielder coming into the year, and I thought he would regress in batting average this year in the first place, underperforming makes me want to get him cheaper. I'd have to be getting him at like a top 40, like a borderline ESPN standard starter price. All right. I think I'm not, I'm not going there. I'm, I'm not doing it. All right. Next. Adam wants some names for favorite closers in waiting that he can stash now over the break for potential saves over the final month. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, I mean, in a way, you're looking at teams that are trying to trade their closers like the Rangers with Ian Kennedy. So like Texas, who's next in line there? Is it Josh Sabors or Joelie Rodriguez? They, but they're not going to get a lot of saves. If Arizona finds somebody to take 
Rakim Surya. I don't even know who's next there. I mean, I don't know who's in that bullpen right now. Um, next in line, I go down the list here. Baltimore I can't believe Hill. you didn't go Bender, Bender, Bender. I think Bender's already the closer. Like that's why I didn't name him because I think he's already 50, 50 there. He's not added like that. That that was the case. So we're throwing the name cause it's probably your last shot. <laughs> you know, the angels could move Ray Iglesias and make Mike Myers the closer or Steve Ciszek the closer. They could. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe they fancy themselves still as contenders. Oh, Paul Sewell, like you mentioned. Yeah. I mean, the Graveman back up in Seattle, that would be kind of interesting there. Um, I mean, Minnesota really ought to trade everybody at this point. So uh, Tyler Duffy might still be around, you know, if they trade Robles and Taylor Rogers. Duffy's an interesting arm. That's a good call. Duffy's an interesting arm there. Um, Johnny Lasagna in, in the Yankee world. Oh, I think Chad Green is next. I mean, Philadelphia t- yesterday signed Cam Bedrosian to a minor league deal. And I said to my wife, he's getting saved by August. I, I it absolutely could happen. I mean, I, I, the guy who they just had up for a day and then they dumped him, um, the form Neftali Feliz. Like, he was this close to getting a save. I really believe that. He had been <laughs> to the majors for four years. They call him up. They put him in a high leverage spot in the eighth inning. He predictably blows it. Then they dump him or designate him. And now he's in the Dodgers. I don't know. Cameron Drozen. I, I don't think I would add him in fantasy. But you know what I'm saying. Like, any, literally anybody. Could, Sam Coonrod could be the closer by mid-August. Um, I'll throw two here. I, I'd keep an eye on Jordan Hicks recovery because my projections still bring him up as an option. If anything happens to Alex Reyes, the other, uh, I'm a big David Bednar guy. I'm a very big David. Bednar. Yeah. We would assume that the pirates are smart enough to move Richard Rodriguez and Bednar would be next in line. He's probably the most obvious closer trade guy. I would say. Wouldn't you? Yeah. They're, they're setting up with Cal Crick sometimes. But he's I, terrible. He's just terrible. Right. He, very inconsistent as it had some injury issues. They need to start getting a look at their future. And that's Bednar. And by the way, the Cubs, that's a bad team now. Yeah. You know, you don't think Houston could use Craig Kimbrell? I think Davey wrote that the other day. Or, you know, the White Sox would make him a setup man. I mean, yeah. but I don't even know Dan Winkler's going to get saves. Ryan Tapera when he gets healthy. They oh, who was, the, who was the, uh, the prospect there? Um, oh, gosh, I'm blanking. They had an interesting prospect I'd written down a couple weeks ago. <laughs> All right. Um, that's it for that. What's next, Kyle? Well, I've got a follow-up question for you, Eric, there. You to- said you told your wife that Cambridge would be getting saves in six weeks for the Phillies. I'm wondering what her response to that statement was, because I know I wouldn't get much in the way of anything from mine. She didn't even look at me. She Did she like, even Who? acknowledge you existed? Uh, well, you know, she always does, but like she was just like, okay. I'd get the sight line right through me. It would be like I, I could have said I, Charles Barkley is going to get. Yeah, that, and, and, that's kind of where I'm going here. Would have gotten the same response, <laughs> right? I mean, you know, I think at this point she's like, oh, okay, good, sure, 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 yeah, sure, yeah. sure. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> right. uh, Dylan wants to know who you're more worried about, Garrett Cole or Aaron Nola? Would you be buying low-ish on either, neither, or both? Well, we certainly did a deep dive on Cole recently, so I don't think we need to do that. Aaron Nola, it seems to me, from watching him pitch, he's awfully interested in getting strikeouts to the detriment of durability of staying in games. So, like, he's concentrating on just missing bats, and he's not getting ground balls, but he's getting a lot of strikeouts, but it's hurting his ability to go deeper into these games. He had a bad outing at, at San Francisco recently, other than, and then he had one, another one against Miami. 
the other problem here is, and I don't think it get, gets properly reflected in um, the numbers that we see. Okay, you have to go deeper into Statcast, but it's really hard for Phillies pitchers to to, to do well with the defense behind them. Now Wheeler, the Didi Gregorius error yesterday made the three three runs in the first inning unearned. But these guys get harmed all the time by by I mean Andrew McCutcheon. I love him. He's hitting now, but I have more range in left field. And Alec Bohm is just awful at third. So like there's issues defensively that make it really hard for Aaron Noll. Maybe Aaron Noll is trying to strike everybody out because he doesn't want anything put in play. And Wheeler too. Wheeler had a nothing strikeout rate last season, and now it's one of the best in baseball among starters. I would buy on Nola just like I would buy on Garrett Cole because talent eventually wins out. But, you know, a 450 ERA for Nola, um, what is his FIP? It can't be much it's, it's better. right in line with his past. His, so uh, 350, so it is a much better. But I don't think that's going to even out because I, I see the Phillies pitchers having high BABIPs because – of their defense. That, I, I, that, you tell me, is that a fair assessment? I think that's a very, that's a, that's well said. I had not thought that deeply about it, but you know, I keep looking at the same metrics you are. They have been almost historically bad. And maybe that almost. is what's influencing. I would, I would probably let your league's market take you where you need to go with these two. I, I suspect Nola's going to be the better trade target for most. I rank Wheeler above Nola now, but I don't, neither are in my top 10. And Nola is going to slip close to outside my top twenty soon because really I don't. Well, I, I it's going to be a high ERA. It's going to be a high ERA. That's my concern. I, I and, think, and by the way, the WHIP isn't all that great. He's not helping you in WHIP with a one twenty one WHIP. He's giving up a lot of hits, and yeah. it's not all on hit. It's you know some of its defense, but I think that when you when you when your innings playing. go down to five and two thirds per outing, and you give up four or five hits, that you know it's going to hurt your WHIP. He's not going seven innings ever. I would say if 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 others on the trade market take that approach that he's outside the top twenty or potentially, I'll buy. That's where I will definitely buy. And I don't think that they're going to find people who take Cole, for example, out of the top three or so starting pitchers. That's that's why I suspect you're not going to get him in a discount. Would you not take all three Brewers starters right now over Nolan Fantasy? All three, yes. And I've ranked. Uh, have I ranked? Peralta's Peralta. a top twenty guy now. Peralta's got the innings concern. I've got to do the projected innings for the year on him. Skills wise, I trust him more. You should write a story because I'm interested in who your innings guys are. You, 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 we mentioned them a lot on the podcast, but I, who I are they exactly? I did. I wrote the, the the whole Marlins rotation. It was a while ago, though. You should update it. Yeah, actually, that's a good idea. I'll, I'll, once I get the, these uh, futures and dynasty things in, that's that's a good one to do. To, to figure update. out who we report to, and then you know, write about it. Marlins, all right, who's next? The, all three Marlins are in the the danger area for me. Okay. All right, last one here comes from AK. Wants to know: Do you think there's an edge to stacking players in a strong offense in an effort to get both the RBI and the run scored, or is that just a football strategy where you try to double down on touchdowns? I think it's matchup dependent. You know, I mean, like you're going to want Boston's offense when they're playing, uh, you know, uh, Detroit, although Detroit's got decent starting pitching. But you know what I mean? Like, I'm not I'm not stacking them up against Garrett Cole. You play more DFS than I do. What is your answer to this? I stack in DFS. Stacking matters. you got to make calls like that. That's just that's that's a typical term and play kind of approach. But 
you, stacking's actually really difficult to do in seasonal leagues. I mean, Eric, you know, like I do, we, we, when, when the have prices we ever are high on these guys? That's right, the thing. Exactly. The prices are, you're not getting the top five guys in Boston's lineup or, or right. Colorado for a home game. So Kyle, you play DFS. What's your strategy on this? No, I think you got to stack in DFS, but I think the question was more for season long. Like, would you do it? I understand the overall point. Like if you think the Braves or whatever are going to have a top, six offense like are you going to go out of your way to try to get a freeman and i like maybe it's a tiebreaker maybe but i i would go out of my way in football to do it i don't think i would in baseball it's, it's this is the way you telegraph your strategy and never telegraph your strategy all right fair enough i like that a fair thing to say all right winding it down now for the first half of the baseball season any final thoughts tristan obviously I'm not looking to trade in my leagues today. I'm waiting until the all-star break where I have more time to focus. I feel like a little burnt out right now for baseball. And I kind of need Monday, Tuesday to like refocus in my leagues. What am I, what are my goals? What am I trying to do? Do I really want this player? I'm also thinking about the future. I have a league where like with, with contracts where it's like, I've got a bunch of contracts all coming up after this year. I can't keep them all, but I'm a contender. So can I move like Dansby Swanson in this one league and get something back that can still help me now? So I'm not doing it this weekend. I'm doing it after the weekend, but you're probably yeah. doing it every day. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sorry to put it this way. I'm going to attempt to feast on you taking that break. But I mean, if you're not ready to make a trade, then there's not much I can do about it. Um, I, I think it's a prime time to do it now, but I'm with you that there will be opportunities. I'm seeing it in my own leagues right now that people really want to trade and they're going to want to do it during the break while they're sitting there, not getting updated stats. Good time to do it. Review your team. But I am going to enjoy those couple days off. I am. I, I'm with you on that, that it's a little bit of a breather. There's no you know daily update of, of numbers. Um, and the Cubs prospect, by the way, that I had forgotten was Braylon Marquez, who hasn't pitched yet this year. <laughs> I don't know what's up with that. Uh, I never know what's up with that. We will be writing next week. We will not have a show on Monday, but we will be writing. So check us out at ESPN Fantasy. Tristan's doing his very important dynasty rankings update, and um, I'll be doing some stuff. I'll, I'll be recapping the Futures game and the draft and uh, giving my thoughts there. And then I'll probably do something on the Home Run Derby. Matt Olson, 50 home runs, or maybe not. I'm fine with Matt Olson hitting 50 home runs if Jared Walsh hits like 46. <laughs> I, I'm loving that those two are having great years. Yeah. I, I traded Walsh in a league after like two weeks into the season for Alec Bohm and a draft pick. And now I'm like, oh my goodness. At the uh, time, yeah. you know, you, I could I could justify it. Yeah. But it's also a contract league. So I was getting an extra year. But I was like, oh, I love Bohm. He's going to be great. Bohm is not great. <laughs> But Jared Walsh is great, legitimately. Oh, anyway, have a good career, though. I, I think in you know maybe next I year that so. pays off for you. <laughs> I'd like to make the playoffs again sometime in my lifetime. That is it for Fantasy Focus Baseball. We are presented by LinkedIn Jobs, and we thank you so much for listening to our little show for the first half of the baseball season. I know I really appreciate it, and I think Tristan and Kyle do as well. We'll be back one week from today to get you ready for the second half of the baseball season. Please have an awesome and healthy All Star break.